Hi, I'm Ian, co-founder of Dig Insights and president of Dig's Innovation Insights platform, Upside. Welcome to Dig In. Dig In is the place to stay up to date on what's happening in the world of innovation, research, and technology, to find inspiration from today's business and innovation leaders, and to properly dig into hot topics that matter for consumer brands right now. And when applicable, we'll bring our own research to that conversation. Hi, welcome back to Dig In. Uh, today I'm talking to Eric Ferreira again. This will be the third time Eric's back, and we're going to talk about crypto again because he's our resident crypto expert in addition to being our analytics manager. Thanks for coming back and talking to me about this again, Eric. I always love to talk about crypto, especially when Doge has been talked about a lot in a week. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Elon Musk on Saturday Night Live. So it's pretty fascinating. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's get right into some of the big things that are happening in crypto right now. Um, I'm going to share my screen, and uh, the first thing I'm going to do is ask you about the current bull run that we're, sure. you know, we're seeing across a bunch of different crypto. So this, we're looking at Bitcoin the last yeah. year, really up, right? It has just been on fire lately. And I mean, there's a couple things that are triggering this. I, I don't know if you've heard, but, you know, for a lot of people out there, you know, Tesla has been, uh, has purchased Bitcoin uh, there's also another company called Grayscale Capital, which is a, a large, basically, venture capital firm that buys uh, cryptocurrency assets on behalf of people as like a, almost like an ETF, but it's not an ETF. Um, and that's just been having a lot of traction lately. A lot of people have been purchasing it, which is just causing such like a, a, a scarcity in, in, in Bitcoin. A lot of times right now, more miners are actually buying Bitcoin than they are selling Bitcoin, which is crazy and creating a lot of pent up demand. Um, in the crypto market as a whole, which is crazy. Uh, yeah, and if we, so we look at just this last year up incredibly, yeah. and then just to put that, put that in perspective in terms of all time, like this is, you know, it's it's just on fire. And then it if we look at fire. Ethereum, even, even more so, like we're just all time highs here. Ethereum if is we look at the last coins right now that is just gaining so much traction. Um, and yeah. A lot of it is just pent up demand. Uh, people want like, the people who basically feel like they've been priced out of Bitcoin are now like, well, what else looks good? And the first thing they see is Ethereum. It's the second most popular, um, especially with you know some of the crazes that have been going on. It, it's just becoming a, a very uh, hyped up cryptocurrency. Um, and it has a lot of functionality that Bitcoin doesn't have. And we kind of talked about this a little bit in our, our very first interview about what each of their functions serve. And, you know, Ethereum really is serving that smart contract function and it's doing a great job of it right now. So let's talk about the one that everyone's talking about these days, which is Dogecoin. <laughs> Again, and we mentioned partly because Elon Musk was on Saturday Night Live last night, or not last night, sorry, last weekend. Yeah. And, uh, okay, so this is the day. Yeah. It's down significantly, Absolutely. partly because... Because Elon Musk went ahead and called it a hustle, I think, right? Is that what the... Yeah, I think that's a good chunk of it. Um, I think Dogecoin, which it's always been, is it's kind of this, uh, this, this coin of the anarchists. So this coin of the people that, you know, just want to show what funny finance can look like. It's kind of like the idea of GameStop and what happened with GameStop. And that's what's happening with Dogecoin. Now, not to say it's not a good coin. Dogecoin you know, there's some merit behind it and they actually have great technology. It's not like their technology is terrible. It just, it started off as a meme coin. It started off as something that was supposed to be a joke. Um, and people just really started buying it and using it as a currency. 
which is fantastic. I mean, it's doing what it's supposed to do. Um, and I think all that has led to what you're seeing here. Plus Elon talking about it 24 seven has caused a lot of traction, um, which I think we're going to talk about a little bit later, uh, a later, a little bit later on, but I mean, it's great to see this happening. However, just, you know, be safe out there. No, don't invest what you're not willing to lose because as you can see in cryptocurrency, sometimes things can go up really fast and fall down just as fast. So you got to be on your toes. Right. So let's talk about some of the other things that are, uh, that are going on generally in crypto. Um, Visa and USDC. Yes. So um, we talked about it a little bit earlier on in one of our earlier chats when we described stable coins. Um, so we've been talking about this story of stable coins will end up being some of the first things that'll be adopted because it's easy for people to understand. It's just, you know, a digital version of the same currency you have. So you don't have to have physical money. Um, and we're seeing that start to be adopted even more now. So USDC, which is a USD stable coin, um, exactly you can think of it, um, is now being used for settlement on the Visa network. And the key word there is settlement. Um, when people talk about, you know, credit transactions, you don't think about, you know, what's actually on the side of settlement, like how is the money being moved around? Now, usually that's just USD, right? People are, you know, taking, they're, they're using USD to settle their payments. But the, the big thing with this is they're using USDC now, not USD to settle that payment. And I think that's just like amazing. That's something that um, is eons ahead of what I thought was going to happen with Visa, because especially Visa, it's, you know, it's a, it's a tech adopter, but it can also be kind of stubborn when it's adopting certain things. Um, so I think this is very powerful. And I think this is kind of the first step in the right direction um, of stablecoin adoption. Now, unfortunately, that's happening without the US government. Um, but at the same time, I mean, sometimes that's what has to happen to, to light a fi fire under regulators. Right. And so, like you said, this is something that we called, I think, more than a year ago, we said this was going to be one of the next big steps in broader adoption. And, and now we're seeing it with we said specifically credit cards, it's yep. happening with Visa. So this makes a lot of sense. And this is this goes a, along with our thesis about you know the broader adoption rate. Absolutely. Um, you were talking about governments. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, the Chinese digital yen. Yeah, so um, I think we talked about that as well in our last chat and, and the fact that the States is starting to be left behind and same with a lot of other uh, countries. But China started off with adopting their, their digital yen at kind of a, a macro level with a specific few companies that were using it. Um, and now those companies are actually allowing their clients to use it. Specific clients, um, Ant Financial is the big buzz name because everybody knows about Ant Financial. Um, they are actually allowing one of their banks, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head right now, but um, they're allowing, I think, a few of their uh, market participants, their clients, to actually add it to their banking apps and transact with the digital yen. Um, so it's actually being used in real payments. So this is something that's very interesting. I mean, you know, being used at a government level, um, having an actual government currency that's being developed, I mean, it's a big step. I mean, um, you know, there's obviously pros and cons and people can have their political opinions and stuff. But I think what's interesting about this is just a tech adoption from just a tech standpoint, from a completely bipartisan standpoint, it's a big step forward um, in technology adoption. Um, Canada has been trying to, you know, work with, uh, with regulators and work with blockchain projects to try to launch their own digital currency, but it's still behind. Like, I, I haven't heard of anything that's being done basically on face value, at least in our own country, about a digital currency. And if I haven't heard it and I watch the news, it still means that it's not that, not that public yet, right? So right. I think a huge step forward. Um, and I think it'll be a good kind of test bench for a lot of other countries that want to start dipping their toes 
um, into a digital currency and a central bank issued digital currency. Right. And like we said before, Pandora's box, it's, it's out of the box. Yep. And so governments to try to put it back and pretend it hasn't happened is, is a losing proposition. And, and the governments that accept it and, and endorse it and use it in the right way will come out way ahead of the governments that just try to shut it down. And, and a big thing about that is looking at some of these companies that are adopting it. Like Tesla is a big name. It's, it's a big corporation now, and they're putting it on their books. Um, MicroStrategy, they have Bitcoin on their books, and they have, I think, almost, I think they have almost a billion or $2 billion in it on their books. So a lot of companies are starting to realize, hey, like, you know, we want to have a currency that can hedge against things like COVID that's going on right now. Um, and, you know, holding government currencies right now sometimes is just as much of a risk as holding a stock. So a lot of people say, hey, our cash is just going to go down X amount of dollars right now with all the inflation and things that are going on. Or we can hold a cryptocurrency on our books. And even if it's only 1% of our cash, which is a rounding error in our, our taxable income, um, yeah. we can have a little bit of a hedge. And if it goes up crazy, just like it's done and doubles, you know, that only increases as part of your portfolio and you can keep holding it, right? Um, right. So I think it's a powerful thing and that, and a lot of companies are starting to say, if you guys aren't going to do anything, we're just going to find another alternative. So they're kind of putting some pressure uh, on some of these governments too. So it's kind of a bit of a yin and yang that's going on right now. Well, let's talk about the, I think what's really interesting is Ripple. Yep. Let's talk about that a little bit, partly because, uh, you know, and I'll share my screen in a second, but we've actually done some of our own research on this, but you want to kind of give the background on what's going on with Ripple and the U.S. government? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we talked about uh, the three main currencies, and this was from our, our very first podcast about, uh, you know, our very first cast about what each of these people talk about, right? And what each of these coins represent. Um, XRP was supposed to be this one for banks trying to do, you know, bank interbank transactions. Um, they're backed by a company um, named Ripple, and they have their own digital currency called XRP, um, which it's kind of this murky history of how it was issued. Um, and up until now, there's been no government action other than a slap on the wrist by FinCEN, um, probably about four or five years back. Um, the big thing right now is that the SEC actually stepped in and said, yeah, we're going to sue Ripple because we think they issued XRP as a security. Um, and that was a big thing because a lot of people were like, you know, is it a security? Is it not? You know, people who are holders of XRP, a lot of them say, you know, hey, you know, I don't necessarily think that this is what it is. I don't think it's a security. I just thought I was buying a cryptocurrency. Some people think not. Some people think, hey, I thought I was getting a little bit of Ripple or getting access to Ripple as a company when I purchased this. So this whole trial has been going on um, and is currently trying to see, you know, what, what the outcome is going to be. And a lot of people are just going to say, hey, well, this is just trial by fire. Like, let's see what the courts say and leave it up to the courts. Um, and Ripple, I have to say, though, they have actually been asking for a lot of regulatory clarity and haven't been getting anything back from the SEC recently. So that's kind of what's leading to this big lawsuit and a lot of the, the gray area behind it, which I think is very interesting because we talked about regulator, regulatory clarity is key. And that's what a lot of people are looking for to get into it. Um, right. So let's that, let's that jump into. So we actually in prep for this this call today, we ran a, a 500 gen pop canadian respondents uh we asked them a series of questions about cryptocurrencies uh just to give us some more information about you know in general how people how the general population is thinking about cryptocurrency but also we asked a specific question about ripple and we also looked at some drivers as to why people uh you know buy or 
or, or hold cryptocurrencies. So let's start from the beginning and then we'll, we'll circle back on Ripple right after we get through these, these, first, few, these first few screens. Um, first thing we asked was how familiar are you with cryptocurrencies? And you know the biggest proportion of the population say, I know what they are, but that's about it. You know, 30, almost 31%. I know something about them, but I'm not an expert. Another 24%. Uh, you know, only 9.6% of people at this point are saying, I've never heard of them. Um, I've heard of them, but I don't know what they are is only 16%. And, you know, a full 6% say, I, you know, I, I feel like I know more about them than, than most people. So there's definitely a, a level of comprehension around what cryptocurrencies are now. And so that's, you know, also leading to broader adoption, right? Yeah, and I, I think the interesting thing here is just that there's been so much about cryptocurrency in the media lately, it's really hard to not know about them, basically. And I think that's what we're seeing. And, and you know, the first thing is just people understanding what they are and hearing about them. I think that's kind of the first step in the right direction. Um, and I think that's what you're seeing here. You know, crypto is coming, more people know about them than, than don't know about them. And I think that's, the, that's an amazing takeaway, especially considering how it was from when I used to talk about it back in 2016. <laughs> right. Uh, we just said, can you name any cryptocurrencies? And if I just look at the keywords, it's still Bitcoin. Um, yep. You know, and if we just look at a word cloud of that, it's Bitcoin, a little bit of Ethereum, Do uh, you know, Dogecoin a little bit. But generally speaking, if we just ask like sort of an, an open-ended name sum, it's still, you know, it's still Bitcoin. That, that world, that hasn't changed, even though some of these other ones have started to get some awareness. Um, in terms of, Please select all the crypto from an aided list. Aided awareness of Bitcoin, 90%. So that's incredibly high. Everyone's heard of Bitcoin at this point. Surprisingly, Dogecoin, a full third of people. And it's a relatively newcomer compared to things like even like XRP, which we were just talking about. Only 9% of people have heard of XRP. But all it takes is Elon Musk, right? And next thing you know, thir a third of the population has heard of it. And, and that's what's just so amazing about this. I mean, Ethereum is the second highest currency by market cap. And especially after the growth we've seen recently, you know, we're talking about an asset class that's almost going to be close to a trillion dollars just, just from Ethereum, right? Um, so considering Dogecoin, which obviously, you know, still is valuable, but not as valuable as Ethereum, at least from a market cap standpoint, um, is so high in popularity. I mean, that's something you can't laugh at anymore. And people, again, always thought of it as a meme coin. And I mean, even I, I'm kicking myself and saying, I, I wish I bought some Dogecoin just for the fun of it back when it was, was low. Cause I, I think that that's a, it's a big thing that's happening and it shows you the power of, you know, we talk, we big social media is a big thing right now, especially everybody's at home. Everybody's on their devices nowadays because of COVID and, you know, social media can be such a big influencer of what people are buying and what people know. Right. And even if it doesn't have some of the functionality, I don't know if it does or not, but the smart contracts and things attached to things like Ethereum, it, it, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you know, awareness and then and then holding and then, you know, actual utilization or usage. Those are the things I think the basic economics that are going to drive value. And at 33 percent, having heard, I, it's probably not going away anytime soon, even though we saw this initial drop because because of Elon Musk's uh, Saturday Night Live performance, it's still probably not going anywhere because it's one of the few that people have heard of, right? Yeah. Once you heard it, you've heard it, right? And you know yeah, what? Once it you've heard it, you've heard it. Yeah. 
Uh, not a lot of other ones named. I don't even know if garlic coin is a real thing, but uh, anyways. Uh, do you own any cryptocurrencies? This was fascinating. A full 23% of people, again, 500 gem pop Canadians, said they owned cryptocurrency at some level. Hope hopefully they know what they're talking about. <laughs> because as we'll see in a second, not everyone is so clear, but um, I found that really surprising. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and I was going to say too, I mean, I think I think the key of this is that people, more and more people are starting to adopt it. Um, it might not be the use case that we're looking for. Like it might just be people just holding it out of speculation, something like that. Um, but I think the first step is to use a technology. You know, most people had no idea what the internet was and thought it was something that was very scary. And then you start using it and start understanding it. Um, and that clarity comes and then you can use it for the simple functions you use it for, which is maybe sending out a tweet. Um, but, you know, when it first kind of is adopted and something is first considered, it's something that's hard to understand at first. But once you dip your toe in, you, you begin to understand it more and more, right? Right. I mean, and we asked them which ones they own. Um, you know, no big surprise. It's, it's Bitcoin. It's Ethereum. <laughs> so this is more reflective of reality where, where more people have heard of Dogecoin. Definitely more people own Ethereum. So that makes sense. That sort of aligned with what we know and Bitcoin, and then all the way down to things like NEO and, and, and Stellar Lumens down in these very, these very low numbers. Although, I guess all it takes is somebody like Elon Musk. I guess if the Kardashians came out and said, you know, we're all in on Zcash, this might, you know, who knows what the impact could be, right? So It's true. It's very true. Yeah. Uh, a few other ones named, but again, very small. And then this is really interesting. So we asked this regardless of whether or not they owned anything else, regardless of any other question in the survey, we said, how likely are you to buy any cryptocurrencies in the, in the next 12 months? And this is just in descending order of, of, of a scaled response. So it's not, in the, it's not in the asking order here, but we can see uh, definitely will plus probably will about 32% of the population saying they're likely to buy in the next 12 months. I think that's really high. Uh, and even if I go in, I filter, because in Upside, you can filter uh, any of these questions by any other question you've asked. And I said, if I filter it by people who say they don't currently own cryptocurrency, we see how that changes. Even among those who don't, we're still talking about 60, you know, 16 rough percentage uh, who say they will. So uh, definitely will, about 4% probably will. Uh, about 12%. So we're still talking about 16% of people that don't own now thinking they're, they're definitely or probably going to buy it in the next 12 months. That's, that's very surprising. Even 34% of people considering it, I think is impressive. Yeah. Considering in the past, I mean, most people have always thought about crypto being, hey, like that's a scam or, you know, it's like this, you know, vaporware, vaporware you know, it's not, it means nothing. So even that, the fact that people are considering it, I think that in itself is something that's very important. Right, you're right. If we're if we and if we combine on the fence, plus this, you know, we're up we're up in the 40s. So this yep. is this is a very this is meaningful. This we this would make you suspect that this market is just going to continue to grow. Yeah. Sure. Uh, and if we and and you you pointed this out earlier. If we if we filter that by age, I take off the ownership uh, filter, and I filter it by age. And if we say go 45 you know, 44 or younger, so under 45 years old, um, 
this now this number is getting really serious. Like we're talking about um, 23% saying definitely will and 20, almost 25% saying probably will like 48, 48 rough, rough percent overall saying that they, that they will uh, probably or definitely will buy in the next 12 months. I mean, that's, that's huge. It's crazy. And I mean, you can see it. I mean, everybody's gone on um, YouTube lately and they probably are getting ads for Wealthsimple and Questrade and all of these kind of digital marketplaces. And I mean, that's probably sparking a lot of this is that, you know, you have a lot of young people now who are trying to find new ways to kind of get in on this, this tech bubble and, and find a new way of uh, growing their portfolio. Um, they're looking at a lot of these really high tech stocks. And now they look at crypto and say, Hey, like this looks really good. I'm someone who's probably more tech forward. Um, so this might be something I, I, I want to take a peek at. Right. Right. And so that we're here, we're at 236 out of 500 people. I'm going to actually put another uh, filter on here. And we're going to look at the under 45 year olds who don't currently own. I haven't looked at this yet. And in here, we're still really high. Yeah. Uh, sorry, definitely will 8% probably will 16%. Uh, so younger people are still higher than, than 45 plus year olds and a full 36% on the fence. So even if they don't own anything now, um, there's very high interest in, yeah. uh, in, in buying crypto in the next 12 months. So really fascinating. And that's on, that becomes a base of 146. So still a meaningful base to actually look at. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to take this off and we're going to get out of the filters and then we're going to look at the ripple question. So this, yeah. this was an interesting thing. We added in sort of, we just fielded this last lot quickly last week overnight. Uh, I think it was the results were available in about an hour, but um, we said, do you think ownership of a cryptocurrency? And we actually said like XRP slash ripple, just in case they weren't sure the name is the same as ownership of the company that issues the cryptocurrency, like stock in a company. And this is really interesting because a full 53% is not sure. Like you and I know it, the answer is no. Yeah. But that's, people do not know that. They, they're not sure. And, and that's where it's crazy. I mean, you know, you think about Dogecoin. I mean, a great example. I mean, if, if this is the, the, the general mentality and you think people who are purchasing Dogecoin, they might think they're buying something that's like a stock, right? Um, and especially as companies start to build technologies onto cryptocurrencies, this is something to consider that if you decide to be, hey, I want to sell pizzas using cryptocurrency or, you know, have Bitcoin as the main network that's transacting all of my pizza transactions, people might think that they, if you're more forward and really tied into that asset, they might think that they own a piece of your company or something like that, right? Yeah, um, and sorry, and that was among people who don't own cryptocurrency. I didn't take off this yeah. filter. So among the population that doesn't, says they don't own crypto, mm -hmm. a majority of them is not sure. Yeah. And 10% and, and of, of them think it, it, maybe it does. I think this was even the more surprising part. If we go at people who say they do own some cryptocurrency. Now it's even now the, the majority of them think it is the same as owning a stock. Yeah. So we've got the majority of people who own cryptocurrencies think it means they own a piece of the company. This is a serious problem for crypto. So we've talked a lot about the very positive things 
going on about crypto, adoption by credit cards, general interest increasing, awareness of individual coins increasing. Um, you know, the bull run recently that we've seen on Ethereum and, and, uh, and Bitcoin. But the SEC's argument that people think they're buying a security, our study would say, at least in Canada, we'd have to redo this yeah. in the US because this is not a US-based study. Um, at least in Canada, they do think that. They think they're buying security. And, and, and I think that right there says a lot. I mean, although, you know, a lot of people are looking at it and saying, hey, wow, this market's really high, you know, this is crazy. But I mean, we don't even, I would say right now, have a lot of people who understand what's going on in the market. Um, and, and that's not to say that these people, you know, aren't trying to, it's just, it's hard. It's, it's, it's a, an, a technology that hasn't really had a lot of discussion around it in, in mainstream media, other than price action, really. All people right. talk about is, you know, coin goes up, coin goes down. Um, there's not a lot of actual technology education going on right now. Um, and I think maybe that's the next step. What this is really saying is people need to start educating the general population on what cryptocurrencies are. Um, just like you would any other financial asset, um, which is, it's, a, it's an interesting finding for sure. Yeah. And, or the cryptocurrency companies themselves really need to be careful to educate because otherwise they will be classified as, you know, as a security because they'll, the SEC will argue that's how people are using it and people don't understand it. And if mm -hmm. the majority of these people are not actually transacting with this, with, with crypto, they're only holding it like a security. It could be an uphill battle for them. So um, definitely a bit of a problem. And again, if we look at total population, because most people do not own crypto, uh, we're still, the majority of people are just are not sure. And we're still yeah. about 20% saying, uh, yes, it's like owning a stock. But concerning numbers for sure, in terms of what that means for cryptocurrency overall, but I, it, it can be remedied. And even mm -hmm. if the remedy is that it starts getting treated like a security, I don't think it'll destroy the market. Uh, no. Be confusing but uh it's and, and and one thing i will say like that is it also depends on the laws that the countries have in place as well i mean if we look at something like canada um canada already says you know cryptocurrency is treated like a commodity if you trade in between currencies it's just like trading in between anything else if you you know if you if you sell it for another currency you have to pay capital gains on that just like anything else um you know if you're going to purchase something with it then it's treated just like you were purchasing with anything else right you just pay you know sales tax things like that so it's interesting because that's canada's framework or at least a rough idea of their framework but countries like the states that again don't have regulatory clarity um this is going to be continue to be an issue right um and and who knows if 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 this would be even higher if we did this study in the states right um right. so there's a lot of interesting uh things that are developing uh, which is why, you know, regulation is going to be coming and a lot of people are going to start talking about it. So don't be surprised if you start hearing in the news that, you know, Elon Musk is starting to talk about crypto regulation or, or something along those lines. I mean, he would never talk about crypto regulation. It doesn't sound like in his character, but, um, you know, other big names in the space. Cool. And maybe, maybe our next conversation, we'll just, we will run this in the U.S. Plus a few other questions that uh, we didn't get to this time. Yeah. Just so our next thing was all about what why are people buying crypto and just to show uh, what that interface was like we're just we just said on the next few screens we're going to show you some reasons that people have said that they buy cryptocurrencies if you find the reasons shown uh, on a screen to be important please swipe right if you don't think it's important swipe left if you see two different reasons choose the reason that's more important to you and then we showed them things like 
they're hidden from the government, they're protected against inflation, uh, potential for high returns on my investments. And then if they like these two things, like we said in the instruction screen, then they got to choose the one that's more important to them. So we did that exercise with a bunch of you know, drivers for why somebody would, would choose cryptocurrency. And then this is what we found. So the biggest reason, and again, this does relate back to, this is acting more like a security for sure, is has high returns potential. That's the number one reason why you know, people are buying cryptocurrencies. Absolutely. I mean, and, and, you know, again, another thing too, is just that they're popular, which is exactly what we're seeing with Dogecoin right now. You know, it's right. popular. People are talking about it. So people are thinking of buying it, right? Right. You know, some of these are interesting. We ask questions, we, we put in things that just they're popular. That's the third biggest reason. Yeah. Uh, and then we asked uh, gold alternative. So almost 50, almost 50%, 49% of people said it was a good, a good gold alternative. So the statement specifically was they're a good alternative to gold. Um, and then you pointed this out. If we look at that one specifically, the gold alternative, we select it here and then we go filter. And if we look at that by those under 40, under 45 year olds again, no, I think it was even lower than that. 1835 maybe. Yeah, I think it was even just on, uh, we can do it on total with just Bitcoin purchasers. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. No problem. No problem. Uh, so do you own any Bitcoin? Yes. So it was among Bitcoin purchasers. That's where we saw a large jump in terms of uh, them looking for it as a gold alternative, right? Yeah. And if we look at this like specifically to on Bitcoin purchasers, this goes up to the fourth highest um, spot, which is quite crazy. I mean, the big thing with this is that, um, you know, people always think about Bitcoin as being digital gold and being this hedge asset. I mean, again, we talked about it earlier about companies buying it and putting it on their balance sheet. You know, they're worried about their currency becoming, you know, inflationary. Um, so it, it's interesting that people think of it as a gold alternative. There was a big push by a company called Grayscale Capital and the whole thing was drop gold. So obviously it's working. I mean, that's a pretty big insight right there. Right, yeah. So again, here, here it is, if we take that off, it's way down the list. If we if they own Bitcoin, a lot of them are doing it as a gold alternative. Absolutely. That was a great insight by you, Eric. Thank you. No problem. Uh, this is just our network map. Not a lot going on there, but we were just seeing like do some of the drivers, you know, um, grouped by different things. Interesting. We do see sort of a couple of territories here. This influencers, popular support the technology. This sort of like driven by social media kind of reasons, the same type of people are choosing those things. And then the safe, um, more stable hedge, there's a whole bunch of people who are, who are driven by those, types of, by those types of things. So there's definitely a couple of different territories here we're seeing in terms of the types of drivers that are driving people. And then if we look at this, this quadrant chart of total interest versus trade-off, this is our way of looking at things that are kind of winning or, or or more drivers, it's, it's definitely this high returns potential uh, that's in this top right-hand quadrant. And uh, you know, even if we turn on uh, the Bitcoin uh, ownership, we're, we're gonna see gold, um, we're gonna see gold uh, increase on uh, to here, but still not up here with the high returns potential. So it is really, you know, in every case, it's really, driven by people who, who want high returns and they're treating it much like uh, 
like a, like a security. So Absolutely. I think this is a really interesting study that we were able to run, you know, really quickly. And uh, it points to some really big, interesting overall things that I think we, we can conclude from this. For sure. And I mean, the good thing is, is the market's still developing right now. So I'd be interested to see how these change as we kind of start to move forward a little bit um, and start to look at, you know, where, where are we by the end of this bull run or if it ends at all, right? Um, these are going to be interesting questions to see, uh, to see later on. Right. So I don't think any other big, any predictions this time, we made some pretty big predictions in the past. No. You, got any, you got any big predictions coming out, out of this one? Uh, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, I think the one thing you're going to start seeing is more companies um, adding crypto to their books. Uh, I think that's going to be the big thing. It might not necessarily happen right now, but I think as we start to see more regulatory clarity, you're going to start seeing that happen. Um, I think depending on how this Ripple XRP case goes, um, that's going to really spark adoption in the States. I think if you see it go in favor of the SEC and Ripple actually ends up being classified or XRP ends up being classified as a security or they act in a security fashion when they issued it, um, I think you're going to start seeing it be very hard for some of these other companies to be able to pass some of their um, their crypto projects or blockchain projects. If they if it isn't considered security um, and the SEC loses the case or even something in between, I think you're going to start seeing a lot of adoption because it's going to add regulatory clarity to the space. So I think those two things are going to be, are going to be the next steps in, in crypto over the next few months. Excellent. All right. We'll check in in a few months. We'll see how your predictions have gone. Maybe we'll check in after we get a little bit more direction on the uh, on the XRP case, the Ripple case. And uh, thanks so much for talking about crypto again with me, Eric. No problem. Always, uh, always a pleasure to be on you. All right. Have a great one. You too. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Dig In. If you want more information about Dig Insights or Upside, please check us out on LinkedIn or at our websites at diginsights.com or upside.com. If you have any ideas for future episodes or would like to be a guest, please feel free to direct message me through the LinkedIn app.